2: archangels, ghosts, and bigfoot oh my, it's just
3: another night for supernatural girls real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries and now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker on the one, the only,
2: supernatural girl
4: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how you doing tonight? I'm sweltering.
5: It is hot as 80s today. Uh
4: oh! You can't. It's it's hard
5: breathing outside. They said it was going to be 107. I don't think they lied.
4: Ooh! It is brutal. And it's,
5: yeah, and the winds when they blow, it's just like being in front of a blast furnace. Oh my God. So I think I'll just stay wrapped up in my office like I am, with the air conditioner going as much as I can without bothering everybody else with it on tonight. But it oh, is a gosh. hot one. It is a
4: hot one. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting hot again in the news. We've got a lot of very strange things Uh-oh. going on.
5: That and for so
4: sure. You've been taking a look at the numbers of all of this, so please do tell. What's going on? The main thing, I think,
5: firstly, please, everyone, remember we're in retrograde. Anything to do with communications can and will get screwed up. There's no if ands, or buts about it. It will happen. We just got into it as of Sunday at 440. In the afternoon, it hit full bore. We had a shadow period before that. So do remember anything to do with communications and or electronics can get screwed up. And speaking of screwed up, let's take a look at Jeffrey Edward Epstein.
2: What a piece of
5: whatever. What a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell us. Well, the bottom line, I took a look at his chart. And firstly, he tends, I won't say he's as arrogant as he comes across. He just knows who he is. He says what he thinks, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. It's all about him. He has major issues with females. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And uh, he's very detailed. But when it comes to his ability to deal with changes and such, He deals with it as a seven personality, which is the secrets or the secretive side of things. Also deals with the sexuality and sensuality. He is just really not a very nice man where other people are concerned. Brilliant, very, very brilliant when it comes to putting things together, but it's illegal the things he wants to put together. He has got to take a look at what he's doing to these people, my God, if you take a look at how many young girls, uh, a few of them were interviewed today at a couple of the different TV shows, that this goes back to their 12, 13, 14 years of age. The man has no conscience, and he thinks his oh. divine rod is that great. Oh, boy. Incredible.
4: So he the has no it, conscience too. at all. No wonder he yeah, just thinks he really. can do whatever.
5: Wow. Money talks as far as he's concerned because he can do what he wants to do because he's been able to do it. Take a look at the people that he plays with and runs with. I mean, he's no slouch. His buddies are – we're going to find out there's going to be some of those that are going to be coming out that are going to be joining him with uh, before the judge type atmosphere. There's been talk for a long time about this island – where a lot of politicals and wealth to do people have been having their sex
2: Well, yes, I think
5: this is the island. And I think this is where a lot of this is going to come from. There's going to be a lot more in the news. The retrograde's going to hold things back. Some of it's going to get twisted and turned around, but this is a one month all about fresh starts, new beginnings, and the truth will come out. They can't hide it. he got away with a slap on the backside the last time. Thirteen months. My God. Well this time, hell hath no fury because people are sick and tired of the quote, privileged abusing people. There's no need for this. It's ridiculous. I mean, hey, if you want somebody to play with, sure, do but
4: not kids like this. This is disgusting. It really is. It really is, but let's hope that it all does come out and the people that have been involved with this can pay the price. So it's time to pay the piper for all of this.
5: We're going to see some of that. He's always involved with two things at one time, and he comes across with acting like he's very concerned about what's just and fair. He's only doing that on his side of the street. He doesn't care if your side of the street slips into the slopes and into the water. But Hmm. this is a time... The man upstairs, I think, is going to do a come to Jesus call. So we'll just sit back and watch him, hopefully drowned in his own. What I can't even think of a good word for it. I say scum, patheticness.
4: What a man. Well.
5: It's total of
4: abuse. So it's it's good he's been caught for a second time, and hopefully this time there will be no lenience on, on what he's done. So that's all good. And I've heard from a number of people in the Secret Service that they're going to be stepping forward and speaking about Clinton mm-hmm. and how Clinton was involved in this. They're not going to hold back. Right. And also that they, they are anymore. expecting... Yeah, they can't. And also they expect certain mainstream media people to fall with this. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, yeah, we're all tired oh. of the privilege getting away with it. So no more of that. Well, Let's hope. You
2: know,
5: when we talk about rats, rats leading the sinking ship, we're going to see yeah. a lot of them disavow what they know of him until they've got their own brand on him. You wait and see, yeah. there's going to be more people, and it's going to be disgusting because as bad as this is, What's going to happen? The others that are going to be brought to
4: task for it are going to be sickening. Mm-hmm. So, wow! So well, here folks. we are.
5: This is it is.
4: It is. They, I heard they nabbed him when he got off his plane, so he couldn't take off and go to another country where we don't have extradition. So it's good that he is mm-hmm. in custody. So a few things went right this time, despite Mercury retrograde. Now, uh, what? What else do we need to be aware of? Mercury retrograde is going to come to an end a little bit sooner than the last few times, right? So it's just a few weeks away before the end of it?
5: Usually, I think it's the 19th that's the last day. But you have to remember, the going into and the leaving of, there's always that shadow period. Even though we think it's all set. But anything to do with electronics, communications of any form, uh, just be cautious of what you write down, what you say. Know that if something breaks down and doesn't work, don't throw it out. Put it on the shelf. When the retrograde's over, try it again. The odds are it could still work.
4: Excellent. Well, that's good advice.
5: It's own little hiccup. There's going to be a lot of hiccuping these couple of weeks.
4: <laughs> that's good. As long as that's all it is is a hiccup, we're, we're okay. So there is again a lot going on with UFOs and of course we've got wonderful guests mm-hmm. tonight. And he's going to be joined by his wife, Linda. So it's both Richard and Linda yeah. Smith will be with us this evening. Isn't that great? And I think that's beautiful. It's terrific. I love having a couple involved with this phenomenon and sharing mm-hmm. their experiences with us. We'll bring them on in a few minutes because as everybody knows, UFOs have been headlining in the mainstream media, which is unusual. And this has been going on for the last couple of years, but lately Mm -hmm. more than ever before. So, you know, they're admitting, yes, there's stuff in the skies and we don't know what it is. And it's doing things we've never seen before, but they still haven't come clean, have they? Those stinkers. They still are hiding things. And one of the stories that we've reported on that's on our Facebook page is about the U.S. Navy's UFO UAP guidelines. They're going to keep mm-hmm. them classified. So, what does that tell you, everybody? I mean, all this talk about disclosure—just not sure when that's going to happen. We'll if that's me. going to happen. Gonna no, they—they're they're the saying, disclosure. well, yeah, we're going to—we're going to let them report this to us, or we're not going to tell you what they said so again this is this is not transparency this is not a willingness to share now also president trump was interviewed by tucker on fox news last week and he was asked Mm -hmm. about his opinion about ufos and the first thing he said was i can't get into it and then from there he said i'll speak personally so his very first statement i can't get into it that says it all Mm -hmm. this is still highly classified information that they are not willing to release to the rest of us so that's why it's so important i think to talk to people like richard and linda smith and get their opinion get hear about their experience you know it's just so important to hear from people who have their feet on the ground about all of this ufo stuff so but before we introduce them we i also want to talk about numerology readings because in these tumultuous Mm -hmm. times it's Really important to know who you are and where you're going, and how better to do that than with a numerology reading with Patricia Kirkman. So make sure that you go to her website, patriciakirkman.com, and book your own session, or you can go to supernaturalgirls with a Z.com and you can reach PK from there. And then, of course, there is soul realignment with me right. and this. Going to be a new, new thing coming out, which is your manifestation plan. It is another adjunct of the soul realignment work. I'm going to be offering mm-hmm. that very, very soon. So if you're interested, get on the list, uh, shoot me an email, and I'll let you know when that becomes available. So that'll be a lot, a lot of fun for everybody who wants to manifest and know wants to know how they manifest, because everybody manifests differently, I've learned. Right. And for some people, Vision boards are the thing to do, and for other people, it's not. So very important information to find out so that you can learn your whole map and just follow it to create whatever you want in your life. Let's make it easy, shall we? So let's see. What else do we want to talk about? I think we've pretty much covered it all. Make sure that you go to our Facebook page, like us, follow us, follow us on Twitter also. We always post great stories every week. And we shoot them out on Twitter as well. And there's so much Mm -hmm. coming out right now. So much. There was Dogman. It was a a wonderful Dogman story with a a photograph of Dogman. And we're going to get to that next time we have a cryptid expert on, like Ken Gerhardt or one of our friends there, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about it. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you a secret. I learned this when I looked at that Dogman photograph. Dogman is an interdimensional. I can tell, and I'm going to get that photograph, and I'm going to circle all of the interdimensionals that were in that portal with him. So we are going to talk about Dogman. Next cryptid show and this photograph, no question in my mind, he's an interdimensional. So, or she, maybe both. So this is going to be a completely fun year with Supernatural Girls. Great summer, great fall, great winter, because we have terrific guests lined up. So tonight... Richard Smith is a professional, life-changing speaker and motivational experiencer, visionary author on the topic of extraterrestrial contact, the Moorish legacy, human origins, and related matters. Now, Richard has received high honors at New York State University, work with extraterrestrial intervention an alien contact phenomena. And we're going to hear about Linda, too, and all of her experiences. So we're going to bring them on the show right now. Hey, guys, welcome to the show.
2: Hey. Hello there. (laughs) I wondered if we
4: lost you. Okay.
2: Welcome.
4: Welcome. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having us here.
4: Yes. So welcome. Well, I'm going to let whoever wants to go first go first, and please tell us how you got involved with extraterrestrial visitors.
6: Um, Richard's pointing at me, so I guess I'll start. Um, <laughs> okay.
2: It, it's actually
6: something that's always been in my life. I was three years old. My very first memory of having beings in my in my house in in the hallway in between my bedroom and my parents' bedroom, it's just something that's normal for me. Um, and then it, it later on opened up about in 95. So in 67 when I was three is when it started. And then in 95 is when my mom finally started showing an open interest in everything. And then that's when my sister and, and I told my mom what had happened when we were younger. So that's two generations, and then my kids also. So we think possibly it might be four generations because my mom's mom might have had something, but um, we're not sure because she passed away in '97, so we can't really ask her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just something that's normal for me. So when. But when
4: you say normal, it it, it makes us think that you probably had a pleasant experience, which a lot of people don't have. So what was your experience?
6: Um, you're, you're correct on that. I've never had a bad experience, so I can't really relate to people who have traumatic experiences. I feel bad for them, but I, don't, I can't relate. Um, I kept it a secret for a long time because in New York growing up, you kind of got made fun of if you spoke about aliens, so I just left it alone.
2: It wasn't mm-hmm. until I started um,
6: living in I started openly talking about it around 95 when I was in my adulthood, <clears throat> but slowly so, not letting everybody in. Linda, what did these
4: ETs look like that you encountered when you were young?
6: When the little ones, um, they were probably not much taller than I was when I was about three, and I was a tiny little kid back then, so maybe three feet. I know they were taller than me. That's all I remember. And I remember they had like this iridescent, bluish glow to them. When they saw and- that, when I was younger, I used, to, I used to sleepwalk from my bedroom to my mom's bedroom every night because I had what I thought back then were nightmares. And I just happened to catch them that one night. And they turned to me. And in my head, I heard, go back to bed. And I did. I don't remember any more details from that night other than that.
5: Were they very okay. tall
6: or small people?
5: I'm sorry? Were they, I said, were they very tall or were they very small people?
6: Oh, no, no. I was I was only three, and they weren't much bigger than me. So maybe okay, three. Okay, that's four what thousand. I was <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe four feet at the most.
4: So you encountered them right in your house. And they told you to go back to bed. Do you recall ever being taken aboard a ship?
6: Oh, <laughs> yes, many times. I've even, um, I've even had training on how to fly a ship.
4: Oh my, well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, again, you were not traumatized by this. It sounds like you were treated pretty well. And would you call these beings greys, or were they something else?
6: Um, there were so many different beings that I've seen, met, and trained with growing up. Um, I hate to use the word graze because it has been just the blanket term for every alien out there for the longest time. Um, a lot of the more frequent ones that I was trained by, I call the elders. They, Their clothing was different than all the others. Um, they had a specific emblem on their clothing. They actually had hair, um, and their eyes were not the typical oval to the side like the "quote unquote" grays. They were more humanoid-looking.
2: Okay, so, so they, the would be, that, they would be those
4: would be considered tall the like, tall whites.
6: No, right? they weren't tall either. They, they were. I'm only five-two, and they weren't much bigger if they were maybe my size.
4: Okay, so, but they had hair, that's interesting, and an insignia. You know, this reminds me, uh, PK, of when Becky was with us, because (laughs) Becky was very close with a group that she also referred to as the elders, and it sounds very similar uh, in a lot of ways to Linda, what you're describing. So again, there are a number of people that have had experience with different types of what they call ET entities. It sounds like you've encountered a lot of them. Have you encountered the the praying mantis one?
2: <laughs>
6: yes, she's um, she's actually my mentor in my training. Um, we have a very unique relationship. Um, She actually assigned me, when I was about 11, um, my job on the ship was to greet any of the children that were brought on board for training. And this one particular night, I remember being told that, and I say night because I don't remember anything during the day, um, that I was to take care of this one particular little boy. And I was told, in no uncertain terms, you are to take care of this boy, protect him at all costs. And...
4: For was this a human? Years, this a
2: human, a human yes.
6: child? It was. Yes. yes. And for years and years, when I was in my normal, everyday, awake state, I always had this weird memory of a little red-haired boy. And I couldn't figure out who it was until December eleventh of nineteen ninety five when I actually met the little red haired boy who was now an adult. And it turns out that it's my husband Richard.
5: Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah. You beat me to it, um, I was gonna ask you if you ever ran into him again. Well that's a good way of uh, doing it. You marry him.
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had a very long friendship from ninety five till now. We only got married almost three years ago oh you're newlyweds wow
4: yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: so again this is
4: you've had a very pleasant experience it sounds like you developed enriching relationships with a number of these extraterrestrials and you've had experiences being up in the ship even being receiving some training in how to fly them so why are they here have they told you
6: Um, specific details about that. No. Um, what I do know is that the training that I received growing up, um, then turned into my initiation when I was about 11, which 11 is a big number for me and a lot of other people. Um, since you're into, um, astrology and everything, you know, 11 is a master number anyway. Um, at my, um, I call it my coming of age at 11, they initiated me into a global, not global, an intergalactic sisterhood. Um, And I've just continued training. My job is pretty much to protect the children, any um, experiencers or star children that are here on Earth. And to also make sure that we experiencers still remember how to be a child and look through the eyes of a child. Okay, so you're talking about that.
4: A high level of innocence.
6: Yeah. But,
4: but let me ask yeah. you this. Uh, when they say that you're supposed to protect the children, and we know that ETs have been experimenting with our genetics forever. Now, when they tell you to protect the children, are they talking about human children or hybrids or both?
6: Yes, both. More of the hybrids, the star star beings that are coming here within the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot more here than have been in the past. How many
5: many children do you feel that there are that you are overseeing?
6: That I personally am overseeing? I would say Uh more than 100.
5: My goodness.
4: Yes. One of the things then- that we we've learned from Dr. Jacobs about the hybrids is that because they're grown outside of a womb, uh they don't really know a lot about human interaction, human life. They have to be taught. And so is that one of the tasks that you have is to teach them how to how to blend in with the rest of us?
6: Yes. And I will tell you that it um that also goes to one of my own children. She's um uh, I was allowed to keep one. I they took the other twin. I have two hybrid girls. One is here, one is up with them. So they're part of the protected the children group. They're twenty three now.
4: Does she look different than a human?
2: Her twin sister would.
6: My, mm-hmm. The one that's here, I'll send you a picture, but um, she does and she doesn't. But if you put her next to a hybrid, um, a made-up hybrid picture, they kind of <clears> look <throat>
2: similar.
6: My daughter has very large eyes. She's just been very different ever since she was born.
4: And is Richard the father or is an alien the father? Um,
2: yes,
6: both.
4: So, again, we're back to the genetic manipulation. Now, one of the things we learned from Dr. Jacobs, who's been on the show a few times, is that they um, – I'm not talking about a human birth, but when there is not a human birth, when it is strictly a genetic manipulation and a lab-grown child – Infant then it's uh it's really quite a different entity than what you're describing with your yes. daughter so yes, there they are. are they are uh, there are a number of of i uh, what I call true hybrids, which is they are genetically um manipulated and grown in labs. those are the ones that we've been told by Dr. Jacobs need particular amount of attention to be able to assimilate. And Because they just don't get it. They don't understand it. It's not natural to them. And I'm dying to interview one on our show. So if you ever come across one who wants to come and talk about it, we'd love to have them on. Because I can't even imagine the challenges that they face despite the help and training they may have had from abductees that have been told to teach them. I mean, this is really stuff that's hard to teach. So, I, how many of those have you encountered? Have you encountered any large groups? Because they usually have a hive mind, too.
6: I have not in my awake state here during the day, have not. No, everything is done during the evening or during my sleep state.
3: Three o'clock in the morning is a pretty active.
6: Time. Well, that's usually when I come back.
2: Yeah,
6: because I wake up every day between three and three thirty. Mhm. But they did introduce me to the twin back when they were about nine months old. I would say maybe a little younger. Um, I was I was in a very large round room with my mom sitting there next to me. Um, it was a very cold, sterile environment white, everything was white from what I remember, Um, a little hazy, because I think I was still a little groggy, but I remember one of the elders coming, walking towards me, and behind her or him, I don't know, I think they're asexual, um, was a very tall being with hair in a all-white jumpsuit holding a baby, and they were headed right towards me, and I could hear in my head, this is your daughter. And the baby, even though it was the same age as the one that was here had a different way of looking at me almost as if it understood who i was but had a very cold look towards me like they didn't know understand emotion Mhm. and i was told to hold her um there was an instant knowing between the two of us once i held her and i remember saying in my head <laughs> who is my little alien baby and then that's all I remember after that now, Linda,
4: how do you know that what's happening to you has a basis in our structured reality because there are so many dimensions to our consciousness, and yes, you talk so. about experience this experiencing all of this at night, not during the day so how
6: do you how do you know what's what with this? I wish I could. I wish I could ex- explain that. I really don't know how I know. I just know. Um, it's been something that's been going on my entire life. It's just something that I know. It's it's a sixth sense that I I know this is going on. Mhm. I wish I had more proof than I do, but I don't.
3: There is the aspect how of waking up in
6: the morning
4: and
3: feeling like you already worked two different eight-hour shifts in the same
4: day. Oh boy. That's rough. How does this affect the your
5: your the relationship between the two of you?
6: How does it affect us? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we're so exhausted when we wake up, it it does test our relationship here, but we do have our grouchy days because we're so tired. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, it's been we've had this relationship since we were kids, so mm,
2: I, yes. it,
6: again, it's just something normal for us.
3: I remember her on board the craft <laughs> at my earliest memory is four years old and having this smaller mm-hmm. adolescent like dark haired girl, long dark hair with me on the ship all the mm-hmm. time.
6: I have almost seven years on him, so that's why he's four and I'm eleven. So okay. <laughs> that, that, would her,
3: that would have put her at about 11 years old at the time. So she goes and pulls out her um, grade school pictures and her childhood pictures uh, one day, and I start looking through them, and I almost fell on the floor. I said, that's the girl. That was the girl. Turns out that's Linda at 11 years old.
2: Mm-hmm. No kidding. mhm.
4: So you guys were fated to to be together, that's for sure. And now, Richard, let's turn to you and hear a little bit more about your experiences. And also, it sounds like you both feel that this has been an intergenerational situation, which we've heard a lot about, that usually they do go from generation to generation in certain families and how about your family richard because linda has four generations she's identified that have these encounters what about your family
3: i can say that mine runs parallel to that my mother was definitely involved with it i think uh, my father was too Um, but even uh, before her I know I never got to have this conversation with my grandmother before she passed away. I would have loved to have sat down with her and explained this all to her and just to get her feedback, but -hmm. it wouldn't have surprised me if I had that chance. She probably would have just smiled and said, what took you so long to catch up with me? Uh, Because she probably already knew about it and just kept it to herself, waiting for me to catch up with it. My grandmother was very gifted, highly psychic, highly empathic. And uh, even my grandfather admitted to that. So I think my grandmother was involved with it too, just logically and reasonably. Uh, Then my mother, then me, and I know my nieces are too, because my nieces um, have had experiences in early childhood that are above and beyond to the point where I looked at my brother, their father, and I said, You know, we never had, you know, were we, you know, talking about this stuff as kids? And he said, No. So, but um that's uh they're much more aware and advanced than my generation was so um i see it happening with them too it's being passed on to them now in this generational thing so yeah i would say there's been about four generations in my family now um so
4: the same okay yeah
2: mm-hmm. and
3: i guess uh, for me it, it all started at the age of 21. That was my first major awakening right there. And what flooded back to me at that point was uh, all these memories came flooding back all the way back to the age of four. And then everything started making sense. everything that I, saw was, I thought was a dream or a horrible nightmare or something like that, that I couldn't explain as a kid. Um, and then all of a sudden that first awakening comes at the age of 21 and this tire, total recall comes back and it turns out they were all memories. They weren't dreams and they were all experiences. Um, and that's when the entity in the books that I refer to as the crone um, makes herself known to me at that point. And she's the one that's been there in the background all along ever since I was a child. and that's the praying mantis type. I describe her uh, in um, More Mason and Alien part one, the one I put out in 2015, the the, the previous one, Um, because over the years, people would ask me, you know, what does the crone look like? What does this praying mantis being look like? So I set out to actually take the time to describe her in in one of the books uh, in detail. To give people an exact, clear picture as to what she looks like, and um, <clears throat> she's uh, the same one that's been watching over Linda and I all along. And um, she is uh, sometimes she looks like she's nine feet tall. Sometimes she looks like she's twelve feet tall. And uh, she has Naples yellow skin to alabaster, that that kind of fluctuating color there. Um, Her eyes are rather large on her already oversized head, and the eyes uh, aren't—they aren't so much like a dead jet black as they are more of a rainbow obsidian black. Uh, If you look at her and you get close to her, it's like glass, glass, and there's a shimmering iridescence of color in that darkness in in the in the what would be initially perceived as black eyes uh very large black eyes very uh, insectoid like like a praying mantis type being um she is uh very rare in her species because she's a primordial being very ancient so there's only a few of them out there um and uh she is part of what uh what i refer to as the sisterhood what linda brought up before which is a um multi-genotype, multiple races, including human beings made up of that. They act like, in the cosmic sense, in terms of the galactic community, they act like the midwives between the, the, the benevolent factions of the galactic community and the children of earth, human beings. They have a big focus on the development of these gifted children. It's for the sake of protecting them because these gifted children represent the modern day Christ children. And the last and thing. And gifted? Want, it, what
4: are you talking about? Gifted in what way? Because there's a lot of lot of interpretations of that word. So when you say that they're gifted, what are the aliens so interested in with their gifts? Like the, what they are their they gifts?
3: We call them indigos in America. They're called super psychic kids in China. They're also called starborn hybrids. Okay. Star, Star seeds. Star They have um, it, a lot. Some of these kids have the capability of kind of like uh, reading a book with their fingers or reading a book with their ears without even using their eyes. I don't mm-hmm. know, It's almost like they set the extra sensory powers and the wiring is twisted around in their brain. And I don't mean twisted in a bad sense. It's just that they've become more developed to the point where the basic five senses all interact with each other in a way that we haven't learned how to do yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, They're also capable of carrying on an adult conversation with you, like you're talking to a little tiny adult. Um, The level of abstract thinking that these gifted children uh, exhibit is abnormal. Um, In my very first book I put out in 2005, I have a quote in there in the beginning. The book is called *Legions of Light, Armies of Darkness. That was actually the first book many, many years ago. And there's a quote at the beginning, Um, the daughter that Linda mentioned before, when she was three years old, she climbed up on the dining room table, sat Indian style, looked me right in the face and said, I know you come here a lot because you love me. And I almost fell on the floor hearing a three-year-old say this because I could tell in her eyes she had the adult intelligence to understand all the abstract implications of what she meant by saying that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: which is not something a three-year-old can comprehend, and this one did. And uh, Linda's mother was there with me, and she leaned over, looked at me, and said, where did that come from? I said, I don't know. This is the first time I'm hearing it. So
2: <laughs>
3: but, um, no, it's uh, it's been a, a very special relationship there. And so now
2: let
4: me just let me just ask you this because it sounds like again, okay, just want to back this up for our listeners. So you have had positive experiences with a number of different extraterrestrials. They happen mainly at night, um on different levels of consciousness more than likely. And oops, I think we just lost them, PK. We did. Like we can't They'll be back. The They'll be back because we've so got a lot of questions here. I know you've been asking great questions. I've got some questions here that need answers. So as soon as they come back, we'll get them back on the air. But what we're going to do right now is we are going to take a very short commercial break. You're going to hear from one of our sponsors at the very beginning, Astridian. You can find them at astridian.love. And what I want you to remember is this. If you want to try out the Astridian products, which are tremendous, very high mineral content, all natural, be sure to use the coupon SUPERNATURAL because that will give you 10% off and they will send you free samples also. So I'm going to go to a quick commercial break, everybody. We are speaking with Richard and Linda Smith tonight about our extraterrestrial visitors, friend or foe. We're going to get into the foe part. When we come back. So stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio.
1: Pure essential oils, specialized minerals and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations.
7: Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world, with a Quantum Vortex Energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with Cosmic Fusion and Quantum Vortex Energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the Source. With Cosmic Fusion, the Source Energy does the work for you, it's easy and effortless listen to our free meditation right from our cosmic fusion website the cosmic code meditation sign up for one of our interactive webinars today come to cosmic fusion www to experience an effortless awakening and transformation are you ready for an upgrade are you ready for a new experience Of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com.
8: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Available on Amazon.com.
4: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker,
0: and I'm here
4: with my co-host, P.K., And our guests this evening, Richard and Linda Smith. And we are talking about UFO encounters, extraterrestrial visitors. So far, we've been hearing that they're friendly, but are they all friendly? So let's get back to this discussion. So tell us, have you had any experiences, Richard and Linda, of the unfriendly group?
3: I have. um, I've had to deal with them and there's um there's a reason for that um my uh my experiences with the Crohn and other alien members of the sisterhood and alien species has been of a educational kind and but you know under the word educational, that's kind of a big umbrella as to what it could be, okay it could be something enlightening or something pretty harsh. Um, but it was all educational. And, uh, so in some cases, um, I would be forced, uh, made to come in contact with something of a more, um, how should I say menacing nature, um, for the sake of figuring out whether or not I could stand up to them. Cause my, uh, my training was more so in uh, everything from being able to combat them and being able to resist any form of um, psychological warfare, and so that's where a lot of my involvement came from with the crown. Uh, <clears throat> whereas uh, Linda's was what she had. Um, so, in one, I I suppose one good experience is. The episode, the, the experience I refer to is be careful what you ask for. Because uh, Linda mentioned earlier that, you know, there are those people who have these bad experiences and she, you know, she can't relate to that. I had gotten to a certain point, I guess maybe around the late 90s, early 2000s, where um, I started finding myself drifting away from or not being able to fully relate to the whole arena of what's referred to as alien abduction. Cause it started, you know, over the years, I mean, that's, that's the, um, circle of acquaintances I started out with, but as time went on and started, I started finding myself more and more in realizing who I was. I started realizing why do these other people feel like victims why are they getting the shaft? Why are they getting screwed over? And I'm not. Uh, It's like we were on two different sides of the aisle, and I was looking across at their side of the aisle, and I was like, why why are they getting that treatment? Um, uh, And what's happening there? I don't understand it. I want to know what it is they're feeling. What are they experiencing? So I went back to the Crohn at one point, and I'm like, I explained it to her. I said, what the hell is all this about? You know, what they're going through is not what I'm experiencing here uh, in in my experience. And she looked at me and she said, do you really, you really want to know what they're feeling and what they go through? You want to understand that? And I said, yes. She says, okay. Remember you asked for it. And uh, so she intentionally dropped me into a scenario where um, I had to go and Uh, rescue a hybrid child out of a very dangerous scenario because in my books I talk about what's referred to as the hybrid war whereas you have this malevolent nature that tries to sabotage these hybrids and turn them into these sleeper cell assassins so to speak sort of like you see in the movie Scanners with Michael Ironside, that kind of thing and um, it's the job of the sisterhood to stop that and anyone who works with them Okay. Um, so I was sent into this scenario twofold, one to do what I was sent to do and two, to get my answer. And she's just said, okay, here we go. You're in. And she just threw me into it. And then I was in this scenario. Now, whether the scenario I'm about to describe was a real experience or manufactured to teach me a lesson, I don't know. But in that experience, I'm running through corridors. Um, Of what looked like maybe an underground base and I have this child on my back strapped to me and I am running at hole and ass at full steam because behind me are these rabid lunatics coming after me these not-so-nice alien types and of course you know they could easily transform themselves from standing upright to standing on all four legs and running at me like rabid wolves okay canines uh they were like canine beings and they were hellbent on stopping me from taking that child and i was hellbent on getting it out so you know this was like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object as i'm running i have to go through these hurdles here to get around as they're getting closer and closer i get cornered at a certain point i reach a dead end there's just nowhere else to go And at that point, there's a hole or a portal that opens up over my head. Turns out it was a ship hovering, waiting for me. And the only choice was, do I save myself or do I save the child? Because two of us couldn't go in time. So I quickly take the child, hand it up to, into the portal, into the ship. And it was one of the members of the sisterhood that grabbed it, pulled it through. It might have actually been Linda. I'm not sure. But... The portal closed. I I looked at them and said, take off. I'll stay behind and hold them off. The ship closed the portal on the bottom and took off. And at that point, I hear them behind me. And they start circling around me like a pack of wolves. And they decide to, at that point, stand up on their hind legs. And they're salivating at the jowls. They're getting ready to pounce on me. And at that point, I just closed my eyes because I knew that was the end of it. And as soon as they go to jump on me, all of a sudden I'm pulled out of the scenario and there I am standing next to the crone again, but here was the catch. I was now forced to watch the rest of that scenario play itself out while I was standing next to her. So it was still my body in that scenario. And she forced me to feel every ounce of pain as they ripped into me and tore me limb from limb. And then when it was, and there was nothing left of me, and I'm looking at my body, ripped limb from limb like a grizzly bear, just gutted me, Uh, the crone leans down to me and says, there you go. You got what you wanted. Next time, be careful what you ask for. And that was the end of that.
4: Well, you know, it's very interesting because, again, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Belinda earlier. How do you know that all of this isn't just being manufactured by them? Because, again, how do you tell the difference between your own reality and what they apparently have as an agenda for you to experience? And they are clearly able to manipulate reality in any way they want. How do you know?
3: Well, she definitely is. And that's why I refer to them as educational experiences, because some of it is bona fide, true, blue, real. And Some of it could be manufactured to teach a lesson in your mind. Well, and basically,
4: though, all of it can be manufactured by them. They have that type of power. They can do that.
3: Yes, that is possible, too. I mean, if we're living in a matrix, which we created with our own human mind, and if the entire universe is based on the human mind, then guess what could be done with an advanced species?
4: Well, here's another scenario, and this is something to consider. <laughs> and it's probably not the most comfortable thing to consider. But we had a guest on the show uh, several times, Jerry Wills. Well, now, Jerry is the only one I know, and PK, you know Jerry. He's the yeah, only one yeah. we know that went to Peru and was able to pass through the solid stone doorway on uh, Inferu of Amanu manumaro, so the devil's doorway. He was given right. tones to use by a shaman. And Jerry's a big guy. He's 6'9". So he put his head in his palms against the door and chanted. His uh, beloved wife was there in a group of people watching all of this. He disappeared, went right through that stone door. So there's no question that this is right. what happened. He found himself in a white room. And a disembodied voice was speaking to him. And he had a conversation with this voice. Now, what the voice told him, I think, is probably true. And what they said to him was, we created your universe by accident. We were doing experiments. We wanted to see what would happen if we could create a universe. And suddenly this thing took hold and with a spark of life expanded. And he he said to Jerry, turn around and look at, look behind you. And that's your universe. And this kind of black cube is what Jerry saw. So if that's true, and he did make it out of there, thank God alive. um, But it's the kind of thing where these beings who were very advanced actually created this universe we didn't create it. They created it. That's mm-hmm. their what their point. And I, I, do, I do feel strongly that's probably what this is. And when I hear about aliens coming in and out of our reality, coming in and out of your dreams, coming in and out of your consciousness, um, it, it makes me question, well, why? And this may be why. Because they are the creators. They can do whatever they want with us. And we're just the experiment. So here we are. My
3: logical Yeah, my logical question for that would be what's your definition of a
8: universe?
4: It is what we see and what we know in terms of planets, moons, stars, people, and other things. It's connected through all of these different doorways through to other dimensions. I mean, it's just that Who created it? And what they told him is we did. (laughs) We did it by accident. So I think it's just a very interesting premise and to examine all of these things. And because we've heard from a lot of people like you that have had experiences, some of them positive, some of them negative, some of them uh, still questioning was it positive or negative. I mean, even Travis Walton, I mean, he was taken up in a ship and he thinks he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And mm-hmm. I think he's right. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. That's what happened to him. But his experience was quite different than yours. It's not something yes. that uh, that he they came to him in dreams. He was physically there, and he got caught up into the spacecraft leaving after taking plant samples, and they brought him back. But it's just there's so many different experiences of this. It's such a big rabbit hole so it's i just find it fascinating i'm glad you you both had positive experiences but I other people have they, not some people have been disembodied and like you talk about being attacked some people have had that happen in brazil where they've been torn apart or they've had organs
6: removed and it's horrible when i say they've taken me at night i'm not i'm how do i explain this i call it I sometimes call it the in-between. I'm me. I'm just, how do I explain this? It is me. I just think that they use me when when everybody else is asleep. I can't explain. I'm not sure how to explain this, but I, I don't think that it's, it might be an alternate reality. I'm not sure, but I don't think it's dreams. I don't I don't use that word dreams at all. Well,
3: they can also open up a side pocket. Yes. Too. Yeah. There's that as well. Um and just
6: as a side note, Travis Walton is gonna be one of our guests at our our conference coming up. One
3: of our speakers. Oh, next year. Please yeah. tell
6: us when when Wonderful. and where so
4: that our audience will know about this.
3: Yeah, it's called the uh Human Origins Conference twenty twenty. It's gonna be April second through fifth, four days. And it's going to be at the Isleta Resort and Casino here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the website uh, is humanoriginsconference.com, all one word. It's, um, we're just, we're getting ready to release the 2020 version of the site. So it's got a few more revisions. There's an under construction page there, but we're uh, two inches away from releasing the conference site updated from uh, what we had this year.
6: but that's the website Travis is just one of 18 speakers that
4: sounds great that sounds like it's going to be wonderful oh Oh.
6: yes yes
2: Um, well well,
4: good and as you get closer to that date and time just make sure you send us an email so we can post it on our Facebook page for everybody to remind them so if they're going to be out in your area they can can come and enjoy that uh, experience with you all so yeah I mean it's just again the rabbit hole's pretty big, and so many of these experiences, they're just so very different, each and every one of them. Have you encountered the reptilians, either one of you?
3: Yes, I have. (laughs) And that is um, one of the things that the uh, sisterhood uh, is constantly on guard about. There are good reptilians who have jumped ship against their own for lack of a better term, empire. And they've seen the light and they realize that uh, they have to, uh, you know, get on the ball here because uh, the uh, what they were working for and who they were working for is not so good. But as far as the overall um, reptilian presence in general, um, that is something I described in the book as the uh, empire of Orion uh the arians which is where we get the word orion from and the uh the most powerful presence there yeah, are these cutthroat reptilian queens who take no prisoners you know they want to expand the empire um and uh, they work in tandem with the uh what i refer to in the book is the canis feudal lords the bipedal canines the ones we've often misinterpreted in mythology and uh, as werewolves. So um, that's when, where we end up getting the uh, the original two-party system from, this collaboration between those two empires. But and where
4: uh, are, they, are they underground? I mean, we've heard a lot about that, that the reptilians are in an underground area, and that's why they're not seen very often.
3: That would be the ones working here. Okay, the ones who are operatives here, we tend to um, loosely refer to them as the greys because the greys, as I describe them in the book, are have a reptilian quality to them, but they are walking supercomputers. And some people get a little upset when I start describing them as to what they are. They're like, "Well, that's not the ones I came in contact with." Well, then that's not who I'm talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like like a white guy like me going over to Asia and trying to pick out a Japanese or Korean and a Chinese, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to do that mm-hmm. until I get right. to know them. Right. All right. That's just going to be impossible. Same thing. If I went to Africa, what's the difference between some from, from Congo, Sudan, or South Africa? I don't know. I have to get to mm-hmm. know them right. before I can pick them out. Right. Same thing with, you know, the similarities between the Zetas and the Grays. It's hard to tell the difference until you start experiencing them more often, and then you start telling the difference. So um, there's even um, the ones who work uh, in opposition to the grays. They're just loosely referred to, I think, by the Hopi elders as the blues, okay, the blue types. They look like the grays, but they have blue skin, and they're more on the side of humanity working against what I describe in the book as more so a corporate agenda, you know, And that's the interest of the greys. So, um, but that's, you know, that's some of them right there. On the the good guy side, we talked about the sisterhood. We talked about the Kray Mantis. There's a lot of other alien entities just in the sisterhood alone. They work with the benevolent factions, um, almost like ombudsmen. And Mm -hmm. there are, there's um, also the aspect of those who I, um, aside from the crone and um, there's other types that you might classify as they're aliens they're extraterrestrials but maybe a better term is ultra terrestrial because they can walk between the range of the dimensions and one such extraterrestrial species that we see coming out of ancient history for the human race is the on and they are uh, the best depiction and the most accurate depiction like a dead-on depiction is in the movie The Abyss by James Cameron. That's what the Ankyos look like. They are an avionic, bird-like race of beings. And it's by mispronunciation from that word, An-keel, uh, that we get the word angel. Because, huh. and that's where the of angels come from, because over time, Ankyos became mispronounced as Angels, as in Los Angeles. And from Angiel you get Angel. And mm-hmm. when you look at what they did for the human race, you kind of understand how that was actually pounded into the cell memory and racial memory of the human race from long ago and why we would perceive them as angels. Because they are the ones that gave us a leg up with our ancient ancestors by giving us the gene for passion. It's a sacred genetic code, you, you don't mess around with it. And uh, they are one of the special, extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial species out there that are in charge of taking care of that so that not every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there that wants to act like a master geneticist can start planting life everywhere at random for no apparent reason. So for us to have consciousness, for us to be self-aware, I think, therefore, I am, like Shakespeare would say, you have to have the gene for passion,
2: and
3: that comes from the on and which is where we get the word angels from. So when you, when you uh, hear the phrase, something about, you know, um, uh, let's think on it and leave it in the hands of our better angels, that's what they're referring to.
2: Okay. Well, that's,
4: that's very interesting. And mm-hmm. now, it's again, it sounds like you guys have your job with them, which is to protect yes. the children, and, and that is, is your cause. So what about, you know, a lot of people talk about the fact that they've been implanted. They have implants. There have been doctors that have removed these physical implants. Do you have, Had you have implants? Do you have any, do they have any reason to put an implant in you?
3: Um, there's, in all the years as a child or a teenager and breaking bones and getting sprained ankles or busted fingers and having to have the doctor do x rays at the hospital. There's never nothing never anything that really specifically up about that for me. But then again, we weren't exactly looking and I don't think I've ever uh found anything specifically on me that I could point a finger to and say, Oh, that's it. Um there was I suppose um, many years ago, um, I think when I was a teenager, I had gotten very sick with dehydration that just came out of nowhere
2: mm-hmm. and they had
3: to get me to the hospital to hydrate me again. Um, cause it was really getting bad for some reason, my body wasn't retaining fluid. And once they got that under control though, and my body started leveling off, I ended up, um, coughing up something that was rather strange and it felt like there was something solid or metallic in the phlegm. I, being a teenager, I didn't think anything of it at the time uh, because I was just feeling so crappy at that point recovering. I coughed it up and got rid of it, you know, and threw it away. Um, But I remember when I first coughed it up, I was like, what the hell is that, you know? And why is that why is that coming up from my throat? So, I think back on that years later, I'm like, hmm, maybe I coughed up something like that and didn't even know it. Um so, yeah, there's that just anecdotal note there. No, nothing I can physically point a finger at and say, "Oh, that's it."
4: Right, right, but that is strange. Right. That experience that you had What about, now you've been, both of you, very vocal about your involvement with extraterrestrial visitors and what they've been teaching you and just, you've been telling the world about it. Have you ever experienced any government involvement with uh, watching you or sending men in black to you? Have you ever had any of those experiences?
6: As men in black, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I've, my mother and I have had experiences where for quite a while in 1990s, it was always a strange black helicopter that would be either following us in a car through our neighborhood or just strangely hovering over my house or flying past my house on a regular daily schedule. Um. There was an investigator, a a supposed uh, Mufon or Lufon investigator that came to my house back in the 90s. I have it documented in my book. He came posing as a man named John Ford. Um, And we, my mother and I, thought that he was referred to us by some mutual friends to investigate us. He was an extremely rude man. didn't give me the best experience of being investigated. I thought, great, somebody's gonna finally believe me and investigate us. Um, We, I just recently spoke to John Ford, who happens to be a friend of Richard's for a very long time. And it wasn't him, so I have no idea who this man was that came to my house and investigated us. Um,
4: Did he identify himself as associated with any particular agency?
6: The Long Island UFO Network, which John Ford was, I believe, the director at the time.
2: Yeah.
6: But unbeknownst Mm -hmm. to me, John was already put in prison for false...
3: A crime he never committed. Right. He was framed. Mm -hmm. And because he was getting too close to the truth there on Long Island about a infamous UFO crash at South Haven Park. Um, So that was in 95, 96, and my, my
6: investigation and, was in 97. Yeah,
3: this imbecile that came to see Linda and Ruth was a year later pretending to be John Ford. Okay. So they were, they were fishing for information because they went and confiscated all of those uh, uh, research case files from the Long Island UFO Network illegally and illegitimately, and I think they were systematically going through them and trying to uh, single out people.
6: The, the man got very angry with me because he saw that I had made a copy of the investigative paperwork that he had me fill out or that I was supposed to fill out, and he raised his voice to me and said, you know, that's confidential documentation. You're not supposed to be having a copy of it, and I said, why? It's mine. Why can't I have a copy of my own stuff? Yeah. I mean and we never saw him again after
3: that. If you're the person being investigated, why aren't you allowed to have a copy of your own investigation?
1: Right. So, well, you
4: know. and I you know, it's great Linda that you stood up to him the way you did because I think a lot of these people who are fraudulent and they're they're a part of some other hidden government organization. They count on you being intimidated by them. And right. when you're not, You know, then you can stand your ground. They don't like it, but too bad. And I think more people need to know this, that they need to stand their ground and not give in, especially when somebody's identity is suspicious. You weren't really sure who this guy was, even though he gave you a name you recognize. He wasn't who he said he was. So that's kind of disturbing, but uh, what an experience. My goodness.
3: And that makes you think. These people had it planned out because this was back in the mid to late 90s that that all went down.
2: Right. So the yeah. person that was That's impersonating
3: the John, Ford, the person that was impersonating John Ford, probably all figured, ah, oh, it's a done deal. He's locked away. He's never going to get out of prison on the charges we accused him of, which yeah. were fake. And so anybody could parade around and pretend to be a member of Lufan at that point, mm-hmm. chasing down illegal investigations. So. Um, yeah, that's what was happening. Very
4: interesting. Yeah. So you've been the subject of some investigation from God knows who. And in terms of other people that you associate with, have they also shared experiences with government harassment over their UFO experiences?
2: Mm
3: -hmm. People we know have expressed that, um, you know, to us. I mean, we weren't there when it happened with them, but they have told us that, yes. Um, I, and so, you know, there's uh, people we know who are being supposedly harassed all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they're singled out like that. And um, But, you know, no, it, I think at this point, from the experiences Linda and I have had over the years, we've been able to put together that There are those of us who have a hands-off policy, like a line in the sand. If you cross that line, you're dead. And the crone has that line in the sand where anyone who messes with people who are under that protection, um, there's going to be hell to pay for that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: And so you feel very protected So you're not worried about Anybody harassing you Whether it's with the black helicopter Or a visit to your door You're not worried about that then
3: uh, I'm. We're not Superman Okay, we're not invincible We're not bulletproof We're not stupid in that sense But no, I don't have that sense of Walking down the street and feeling paranoid Of like, oh, there's eyes on me I'm being watched It. You right. know, Linda and I just go kind of Like yeah, we know they're probably watching them, but screw 'em. I mean, what are they going to do?
2: I think that
3: <laughs>
6: I think that since this has been going on my entire life, if they wanted to really try something, they would have already.
2: Mhm.
3: And I think yeah. now for those who are now they see the two of us together and now it's like, "Oh shit, they're together. It's going to be impossible to get to them now." So, <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: yeah. The power of two and your in there as well. So what are your thoughts on all this talk about disclosure?
3: Okay. Well, as far as we're concerned, um, I point this out all the time. <laughs> for, for those who have been paying attention, disclosure has already taken place over the last 75 years from the ground up. So once again, just like I asked you before, what's your definition of the universe? I have to always ask what's what's that person's definition of disclosure because if you're expecting it from the top down forget it that's just a charade that's a song and dance that's a theater play to get people corralled and if there would be some government official in some capacity white house congress or otherwise that uh you know comes forward and says something like that uh my attitude towards it would be, okay, so what? What are you going to do with that? How does that benefit us? Okay, because if you're going to admit to that, my immediate, logical, and reasonable response to that is, what's the bigger lie you're not admitting to? You've waited 75 years to admit to some stupid UFO. What else have you been hiding that now forces your hand to admit to a smaller lie?
2: Exactly.
3: The smaller lie is... UFOs don't, don't exist. Oh, but now we're going to admit to it. Okay, so what's the bigger lie you're not admitting to? It's a wag the dog scenario, so don't expect anything from that. Because yeah. even Greer said it, oh, wow. he said you, said, you see all this garbage and, and charade and manufactured crap going on with the war on terror? He says, what do you think the next level is going to be? After they have no more fabricated imaginary enemies from the Middle East that they can go after, they're going to have to pick and create another enemy. And that next enemy is going to come from a manufactured Martian, a manufactured Venusian. So after the war on terror, you're going to have a manufactured, fabricated alien invasion and a fabricated war on Earth. And yes, we do have the technology to manufacture a fabricated. Uh, war, you know, alien invasion that's not even close to being true. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness.
5: That's, that's
4: really Yeah, go ahead, PK. Yeah. No, it's, it's very scary
5: to think that they could set things up in that fashion and we're going to be drawn into it. Not well, if you... If,
3: if, uh, the great book you guys should read, it's called Raven Rock. Okay, uh, the subtitle is something like, you know, the government's plan to save itself and let everybody else die. And it has to do with, it starts in the 1950s, at the beginning of the nuclear age, right after dropping the two bombs on Japan, and them seeing what that did, and the shock and horror that there is no way to prepare for a nuclear war or win it. But it takes place from there, late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, right on up to the present, right here and now. And you guys should read it, because if you read between the lines in that book, you know where they're hiding all the UFOs at that point. Um, And what they talk about is the advanced capabilities, the stuff that's been declassified at this point, which this author, uh, Garrett Graff, um, busted his ass putting together with what he could get his hands on. Um, And it's an outstanding book. And the type of technology that the United States military had is always 20 to 30 years ahead of the consumer market. So, you know, we thought smartphones were all the rage when they came on the scene with BlackBerrys, iPhones, Windows phones, and Android phones. But there was a lot more that came before that with the U.S. military before the first smartphone even showed up. You know, so you have to figure what you see as advanced technology now in the consumer market was already there 20 to 30 years before behind the scenes because it filters through reverse-engineered technology from aliens that's handed off to the Navy specifically, and then from the Navy it filters down to the other aspects of the military where it's needed, and some of it's handed off to what you might refer to as Area 51 and other military bases underground. But there's a filtration process it goes through as it disseminates through the military, and then from there it disseminates into the corporate market, and then from the corporate market it disseminates into the consumer market. And that's a 20-year gap. So by the time it gets to you and me, it's already 20 years old.
4: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum on the show, that when it comes to the government admitting to what they know about UFOs and extraterrestrials, there's no benefit for them to admit it. So why would they? And it just doesn't make sense. But yet we do see more and more in mainstream media. They have admitted that, yes, there are things in our skies that they cannot uh, explain and they're not ours. So that at least has has come out. And there was a question that we've been asking everybody about why now? Why are they actually admitting to the objects in the sky now? There's got to be some pressure coming from somewhere because, again, why else would they be doing it?
6: And more I'm wondering and if your
4: have, have yeah. your extraterrestrial yeah. contacts shared information with you about that
6: I think that it's not just our contacts no I think that more and more of us are coming together as groups and waking up to the fact that we've been lied to for so long, and now they're being their backs are being pushed up against the wall, and they're going to have to start admitting something, so they're giving right. us a little they're giving us a little Cookie
3: every once in a while? Um, Papa Bush said it back best years ago. He said, if they ever found out what we were up to, they'd run us down in the streets of, Amer- of America and skin us alive. And so, by slowly mm-hmm. admitting to it, they're just trying to avoid another French Revolution, mm-hmm. okay, where everybody got killed, okay, including the guys who led the revolution. They got crucified too. So, uh, that's what they're trying to avoid because. To admit to it opens up the floodgates that all the other countries on the planet were ahead of the game. We're the only backwards country on the planet that hasn't admitted to the UFO issue.
6: Even the Vatican a couple of years ago started saying that um, that there's a possibility of other life out there. Yeah, they're I mean, all part of it too.
3: And the uh, um, the well-known uh, UFO researcher uh, from Mexico, Jaime Masson. He was asked many years ago, many years ago, uh, why are they so friendly in, you know, Mexico and Central America and South America? Why is there such a close relationship there? And in North America and the United States, there's no relationship at all. You know, why are they, you know, and he turned around and he said, he says, because we don't chase after them and we don't shoot them down with our, you know, air force. It's just, you know, we have this hot Yeah, that's a big
4: plus. (laughs) That's nice when you're not shooting at somebody, so they feel like they're more accepted. Plus, I know that there's been many uh, sightings in Peru where they've had over 200 people in the media actually witness it. But Peru has been told by the United States, don't reveal Everything, because if you do, we'll punish you. So there's a lot of South American countries that accept this, and it's accepted in their indigenous population as well. But uh, they've been told to keep their mouths shut. But we've had shamans on the show that have, have been there. They've seen it. They've had experiences, friendly experiences with ETs, as you have. And they've seen their friends taken up in ships right in front of them and returned several days later. So they have great stories to tell about it all of it, but when it comes to a wide disclosure from a government entity or a media source, apparently the U.S. has has put the kibosh on it and told countries, don't you dare. But they can't do that to China and they can't do it with Russia. So our, we've been wondering, TK and I, is that where the pressure is coming from?
3: It probably is because uh, I think... Uh, uh, Russia and China represent uh, a huge block of the Security Council in the U.N. So they're like, look, we're admitting to it. We've been researching it for years openly. China even openly studies their own super psychic kids, and they openly study their own pyramids, the Shenzhen pyramids over there, which are activating again. Okay, just like in Egypt and South and uh, in Mexico, Um, Mm -hmm. so they actively admit to it. But you know, they're in a position where they have nothing to lose by admitting to it.
6: No, because they didn't make a pact with the malevolent factions Mm -hmm. seventy years ago and lied to their United States residents about it.
3: Well, that's the problem on the on the opposite side. I Uh, know the U.S., France, and England on that Security Council. And they're like, no, 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 we, we have a deal we have to keep. And yeah. the others are like, screw the deal, you know, mm-hmm. but <laughs> um, we're not part of that deal anymore. And I think a lot of the friction comes, too, from um, if you ever saw the movie Lord of War, um, that's very telling as well, because the UN Security Council is the biggest illegal gun runner on the planet. And where the guns go, the drugs and prostitution follows, too. And these are all money-making things that produce Mm -hmm. very abusive situations towards other human beings in other third world countries.
4: Absolutely. That's very true.
3: So now you come out of the, you know, cat's out of the bag, let's say, and you're in the position that England, France, and the United States is in to have to admit to it, well, if you go admitting to the UFO issue, that's a watershed of a whole lot of other lies that you're going to have to admit to as well. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: True. Very true. Yeah,
4: it's it would paint them in a bad light for sure. I mean, there's a number of things that could be painting them in a bad light. And I'm talking about our government specifically. If Russia comes out first and says, yes, these things are real, they are, are from other planets, and here's our proof. We're going to show it to you. That would be extremely embarrassing to the United States because we're supposed to be first at everything. If China did it, it would be the same thing. So that's yeah. why we were thinking maybe they're at least going to admit to objects in the sky that can't be identified and may not be from here. But it's not enough. I mean, this kind of deception has gone on, and you very, you've you described it extremely well in terms of how things get disseminated mm-hmm. into the private sector and all of the technology they've had for many, many years so it's it's you've talked about it very, very well and we certainly agree and understand the darker side of all of this. It, it, I'm just so happy that both of you have had such wonderful experiences.
6: It's
2: really oh gosh. Yeah.
6: Gosh.
4: Yes.
2: It's
3: it's been quite a ride.
6: Oh yes. <laughs> it has.
5: I
4: bet so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for you, because that is an unusual thing. A lot of these interventions from extraterrestrials or even interferences, if you want to call it that, can be quite terrifying to people. And yet we've heard many times, you know, it's intergenerational. There are certain people that they choose for this and other people that they don't. So it's obvious it's in your lineage. There's a genetic reason why they work with you. Rather than others, so it's it's just a fascinating discussion that we've been having tonight about all of what you've been through, and it's all been positive for the most part. And it doesn't yeah. sound like there's a negative to it.
3: If um, if people want to get in touch with us, they, they can go to our official website, which is ufoteacher.com, and our books are on the website too. I think it's fabulous. It's very
5: fascinating. You've both done such a great job of letting us hear what, without it creating a fear or anticipation, but we do know what's coming, and you've got a good way of
4: letting us see ahead of the game. Yeah. Thank you.
3: It's been a pleasure talking with you yeah. guys, too. Thank
4: you very much. So, again, give us your website and so that our, our people can go and see you. Just repeat it again if you would. Yes.
3: Sure. Um, our official website is ufoteacher.com that's all one word ufoteacher.com and you know our bios are on there our information uh, events and our the book link is on there too to our books as well
4: and the conference and in
3: the conference yeah
4: yeah and the conference is human origins it will be in new mexico in 2020 it sounds wonderful you're going to have 18 different guests including travis walton So it sounds like just a wonderful gathering of like-minded people Mm -hmm. and and how great that will be in a beautiful environment, as you mentioned, with the mountains in your backyard. What could be better?
2: That's terrific.
4: uh, If
3: if your guests are interested, our keynote speaker for the conference is going to be Andrew Collins. And you know he's got a slew of Mm -hmm. books out there on human origins.
4: Yes. Yes, he does. Oh, well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Richard and Linda. This has been an absolute pleasure having you on board with this uh, this ride we've taken tonight. And uh, we, we hope your conference is a big, smashing success. And, again, let us know exactly what the date is, and we will post it on our Facebook page. So until next week, everybody, you take care of yourselves. Be safe from that Mercury retrograde. We've got, I know, really, we've got the alien hunter coming back by popular demand, Daryl Sims. He's coming back next week. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night.
2: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with supernatural.